Welcome. This is the Life Habits podcast series. My name is Carl Vredenberg. And my name is Paige Heron. This is the series that helps you to learn new habits to optimize your life and embrace an enlightened, healthy, and prosperous lifestyle. This is episode 119, and the topic for today is lifelong learning. We did an episode last week on landing the job, and one of our recommendations was to further improve your skills. Today's episode will drill down on that topic, as well as explore lifelong learning that is outside of career advancement and opportunities. So let's start, as we usually do, with some insightful quotes. Carl, why don't you share our first one? I'd love to, and I'm really, really, really happy about this first one because it's one of my favorite quotes. It's by Henry Ford, and he said, Anyone who stops learning is old. At 20 or 80, anyone who keeps learning stays young, and I've had that as my theme As many of you know, I'm not super young, but I think I stay young by constantly having this love of and practice of lifelong learning. And I know, Paige, you're not my age, you're a lot younger, but I also know that you're active in this whole area as well. So let's look at our next quote. Our next quote comes from John Cleese, who says, He who laughs most, learns best. And this quote is referring to the need to make learning both interesting and fun. And our final quote is from Albert Einstein. Commit yourself to lifelong learning. The most valuable asset you will ever have is your mind and what you put it to. Our bodies can fail over time. Our health changes over time. Our mind is that constant thing that we can continuously improve on. So stay young by learning. Make sure that you also make it fun and interesting and feed your brain and your mind. Those are the three themes that we'll start off with. And let's talk first, Paige, a little bit about what being a lifelong learner actually means. So lifelong learning is generally defined as a ongoing, voluntary, self-motivated learning in the pursuit of knowledge for either personal or professional reasons. As you alluded to before, I consider myself to be a lifelong learner. And from my experience, lifelong learners often identify as having a passion and a love for learning. I have often said I love learning for the sake of learning, and I really like to know the hows and the whys, you know, how do things work and why are things the way they are. So that kind of gives you an idea from my perspective of what I consider to be lifelong learning and what I consider lifelong learning, as well as a general definition. Great. So we have some 11 recommendations to go through. And Paige, why don't you get started with number one? Our first recommendation is identify how you learn best. There are many, many different types of learning styles, but the four main ones are visual, auditory, reading and writing, and kinesthetic. 
identifying how you learn best or how you like to learn can guide you in the right direction. However, there is virtually no evidence to date that suggests greater learning outcomes based on one's learning style or styles, but rather identifying your learning styles and the styles that you like to learn best can guide you into the right direction for pursuing learning in a way that you enjoy the best. So when we talk about self-motivated and voluntary, if you enjoy that style, you're more likely to continue and continuously learn rather than, you know, the style that you really hated back in school. You're probably not going to be very self-motivated to, to learn in that style. So let's use those different learning styles as we go through the other recommendations. I think you're going to be hearing us talk about various types of learning that may well be appropriate to somebody that is more into auditory learning, for example, versus, you know, reading as well. So keep that in mind as we go through these. But for number two, I'd like us to get back to kind of the early advice that I gave on many episodes, which is starting with taking stock. There are two general approaches to learning that I'd like you to think about. The first is anything that interests you. And number two is things that you need to learn for a job or a career. So get a sense of where you're currently at in terms of your knowledge and then determine what you'd like to learn. This is something that will get you ready for that new job or even career, or it could just be trying to learn more about the background in a current event, for example. And you shouldn't only do this once. We're talking about lifelong learning. You should have this as a habit that you use regularly. So what's number three? Number three is after you've taken stock and you've decided what you want to learn or you need to learn more about, The next step is to figure out where you're going to go to gain that knowledge. It's a really great time to be alive because the places to go for knowledge is virtually endless. And they include everything from doing a simple internet search all the way to formal education that leaves you with a degree. So Carl, let's explore some of the options starting with the easiest and the least expensive. The easiest and in fact free is number four to start with just a simple Google search, for example. That will also give you a sense of the various types of sources that you can go to to get the education that you want. Again, for if it's for a job or if it's just for your interest. So that'll give you a good lay of the land in terms of what's available. YouTube is another huge source of amazing education. Get anything on virtually any topic, so just doing an appropriate search, you know, there. Another amazing source, again, that's free is Reddit. A lot of people use Reddit for virtually everything. In fact, replacing Google as a search, using Reddit as a search engine specifically. So that's one that can get you directly to the content that you need. TikTok is also an amazing one that a lot of people use now too. There's just phenomenal ways to, for free, and very easily get to content. 
The most recent ad is the generative AI application called ChatGPT. And there's a lot of other variants of that now too. There you can also very effectively form an appropriate prompt or question that can give you results. And if the results aren't exactly what you want, the benefit of the chat GPT approach is you can then hone it further. You can ask further questions. You want to have further clarification. It's like having a conversation with someone who is an expert in the field. Now, those are easy. They're also free, but they're also somewhat dangerous at times when you're getting information that may not be truthful. The example that I give with regard to chat GPT, I asked it a question about who is Carl Vredenberg and what has he done? And did an amazing job of providing many of the things that I've done, the places I've taught, places I've worked, what I've written and the like, but it also identified me as being retired and I'm not retired. I did the same thing for my brother. And it said, again, an amazing bio of everything he's done with only a few mistakes, but it had a massive mistake in saying that he was dead when he still runs marathons. So that really leads to the realization that some of the time it's going to be giving you really good information. I mean, it looks really good and it's written really, really well as compared to, for example, Google or YouTube or the others. But some of the time it's not accurate. So what do you need to do? You need to make sure that you're validating that the information you're getting is accurate, especially in cases where accuracy is really important. So you want to make sure that you're going to reputable sites and wherever these searches take you and where they actually provide some reference to where they're getting the information, you should follow up on those as well. And the better generative AI tools, like the one that come from the company I work for, you can actually see directly where the information coming from that they're actually providing you information on. So you want to make sure you're validating that it's actually reputable, especially when it's really important. In lots of cases, that's not important, in which case you can actually go with what you have there as well. So it's a really great first step, and that can also get you into all the other sources that we're going to be talking about as well, maybe including the next one. What's number five, Paige? Number five is local libraries. And of course, it's going to depend on where you're located and, and what your libraries offer. But I really encourage you to go find out what they have. So they can be a really amazing resource. And the libraries around us in Toronto, they have classes and seminars that are free with your free library card that you can go to. Some of them have 3D printers and they have fabric things where you can go and use their machines. So they have all these different resources in addition to what we would traditionally think of a library, which is books. Another really great part of libraries is your local librarians. They are extremely knowledgeable about the services and the resources that they have within the library. So sometimes going and just having a conversation with whoever that librarian is or talk to some different librarians, they might know of stuff that you have no idea about that could be really valuable for you in what you're learning. So, you know, go in and say, I really want to learn more about this. How, how could this library help me with that? What are some resources you have? So, you know, go have that conversation. 
And this can also be a really great resource for our next three recommendations, which we'll tell you a little bit more about as we go through them. So Carl, how about you let us know what number six is? Yeah, number six is again free. If you're using the number five that Paige just took you through in terms of local libraries, you can get books and also audiobooks from libraries. But if they don't have the book that you want, or if you can't get it in time, you also want to now buy it. And you can get it from any number of sources, obviously, the usual ones like Amazon and also audiobooks. You can get them from places like Apple Books which is what I typically get my audiobooks on, or Audible, which is just a, another company that Amazon bought. But I want to just focus on that. Books have been around forever. And while there's all these other new places you can get information, like the ones that I talked about, the Google searches, YouTube, Reddit, and all that, there's a, a place for books still to go really deep on a particular topic. and I think it's still the case that they're the ultimate place to get a definitive view on something. It's also done really well, typically with regard to a lot of research that goes into the book. Again, depends on the particular book, but often if it's coming from a, a reputable company, it's coming from not only making sure that it's been validated in terms of information is correct, but it's also the case that typically being edited. So it's also easier to read in that way. I love reading books, the physical books, or even a digital version of a book that you still read, take your eyes and carry them across words and sentences. There's something really special about doing that. I often don't have time for that anymore. And a lot of other people I know also don't have time for that. And that's why I prefer audiobooks. I typically use audiobooks when I want to get some nonfiction information into my brain is the way that I like to put it. And what I do from a practical point of view is I speed up the playback recording to one and a half to even two times the speed. And I can get through a book in a matter of about four days by just using time I already have available when I'm doing other things like driving or cooking or doing the dishes or running and the like as well. So it's a phenomenal way to go really deep I often experience at work, somebody will mention a book and say, oh yeah, we should read that. And I will have read the book in about four days and my colleagues are just getting started in the first chapter, the ones that are actually having the traditional version of a book. So I highly recommend making sure that books are one aspect of your overall lifelong learning strategy. What's number seven? Number seven of our recommendations is documentaries. They're are virtually documentaries on any topic you could imagine. You can access them, as I said before, through your library, oftentimes for free. A lot of documentaries are on the different streaming services that you likely already subscribe to. A great place to check them out. And documentaries can be a really great way to learn about a subject or a topic. I personally really enjoy historical documentaries. And I'll watch one and that often leads to watching another one on a similar topic or, you know, even sometimes stopping in between or waiting until after and something that they're talking about in the documentary. I'm like, oh, I don't know a lot about this. Let's look this up and get, you know, more and more knowledge. So it can kind of be going down 
a documentary rabbit hole will it be and it's just a great way to learn and it's very immersive and there's oftentimes a lot of really good visuals along with it so it can be a great starting point to gaining more knowledge and it can also be a really great way to learn more about as i said for instance historical events and so on and number eight is educational platforms like Udemy, Coursera, LinkedIn Learning, and Khan Academy. I have personally used lynda.com and they have a wealth of knowledge on various subjects. And I've also used W3Schools to learn computer coding languages. And there are also apps that include Lingo, Blinkist, and Babbel. And a lot of these different platforms have a free or paid version or a combination of both. And lynda.com, for example, when I use that, I was able to use that for free with my library card. So that's another place where to talk to your, your library and see what platforms you might have free access to because there is so much on these platforms. And if you can access it for free, that's the gold mine right there. Couldn't agree more, Paige. And I just mentioned that, you know, three of the apps that you mentioned are really ways of learning things that really isn't possible in any other way as effectively. So Duolingo, for example, and Babbel, ones to learn a language, they are so well designed that you can choose a new language you can start at whatever level you'd like, you practice, it gives you feedback, and you can hear how things are supposed to be pronounced and stuff like that. So compared to any traditional learning, other than maybe if you just had a dedicated you know, speech instructor for a particular new language, these are amazingly powerful. Blinkist is a good example as well of summarizing any articles that you may be interested in. So rather than reading the whole thing, it sort of just gives you a shorter version, you know, of it. So you can, again, do things more quickly. So amazing, amazing resources that you just went through, Paige. And number nine is boot camps. And this is a, a particularly really popular way to learn. And it started really with the tech sector and learning tech kind of jobs. And of course, the term itself comes from the army in terms of getting you know, up to speed very quickly and very rigorously into what you need to learn. And that's kind of the characteristic of these boot camps. They're done in a short period of time. It's typically three, four, five, six months at the most, and it's intense. And you're typically taught by people who do this work today. So they're not just dedicated instructors that do nothing but education. They are also people that do this work typically day to day, and they do this teaching at the boot camp. In addition to that is the usual model. And it's a really good way to amp up and understand your learning in terms of particular new skills that you want to develop. Now, they're very, very constrained, though, in the sense of that they're going to teach you specific skills, but not a lot else. And they're not necessarily also going to go really, really deep into this topic, you know, as well. It's a really popular way of learning skills for especially the tech sector. I should probably make a distinction between the boot camps and the kind of university and college education as well, Paige. I think that there's a 
as I mentioned, the boot camps are very specific and learning a certain set of skills and then learning them practically and getting practice doing them. But they don't give you deeper education or more broad level of education. That's what universities and colleges typically do. And so in my experience, in terms of hiring people, the people that are, I think, ideal are people that have already got a, let's say, an undergraduate degree in a particular, in any topic, quite frankly, from a university. And then to have taken a boot camp to go deep and learning a new skill. This is something that already has a bigger perspective on the world or general knowledge in education, let's say a liberal arts sort of education, but now also has really practical skills that they've learned through the boot camps as well. And I'd also just make the observation, a page that a lot of the continuing education that universities and colleges are now getting into, they're seeing the popularity of the boot camps and trying to really bring that kind of education into their overall set of offerings as well. So it isn't just the, you know, the four-year college university sort of education. You can also get more bite-sized education as well through boot camp type experiences through the continuing education classes, whether actually that's at university or even at the high schools as well. Okay, on to number 10, sort of a more involved type of education than the boot camps. So number 10 is that formal education that we talked about, and that would be university and college. And that's anywhere from maybe a one-year college program to a four-plus university degree, where in the end, when you've completed it, you have a degree or a diploma or some sort of certificate. When it comes to taking a full university course or college course, there's a huge commitment there, both time and financially. So it's really important to make sure that this is something that you really want to pursue. So the recommendations that we've already told you about can be a really good way to test those waters and see if that's something you're really interested in. And our last recommendation as well, Carl's going to share some other really great ways that you could make that decision before you make that huge commitment. And the other side of these institutions is they often have continuing education classes and they're usually in the evenings or on weekends and they lend well to individuals who are working full time. And they can also be a good way to try something out before you commit to a program or maybe you've done the university and college education and you want to update your skills, you want to add to it, that would be another avenue. And on the topic of continuing education programs, there's other education institutions or, you know, for instance, school boards that offer them as well. It's kind of a big number 10, but there's a couple different avenues to go from formal education institutions, whether that is in, you know, your full program or just some continuing education classes. I love that page. And our, our number 11 is kind of non-obvious ways of learning. And some of you may have heard us talk about some of these types of learning that we've already covered. It might be non-obvious to you and that it didn't occur to you to use one or more of these approaches. But some others that I wanted to cover are Things like using a mentor or mentors, and I've got episodes previously in the overall series on this as well, how to 
how to select one, how to use mentors and the like. But the way to think about this is that you can either go really deep in any of these educational offerings we're talking about, but you can also just go to somebody that does this today who might be a super expert in a particular skill area, let's say. And you can get all of like a session with them for, I don't know, let's say half an hour over a coffee. You'll learn more and more intentionally and more thoroughly in doing that than many of the other ways that we would have you go through. So taking even like a boot camp course in a particular area, yeah, you can get the detailed skills, but from a mentor, you're going to get the bigger perspective. And even thinking about what Paige was just saying about getting some insight before you commit to especially really dedicated education, that expensive education, like a university degree, you may well want to, in addition to a mentor, actually just reach out to somebody that is in that role today and just ask if you could have a conversation with them, get a sense of like what it's really like. The thing that I find really sad is when somebody comes to me and says, you know, I did a whole four-year degree and I then started to work in that area and it's not at all what I thought it was going to be. And so I don't want to do that anymore. So now I'm pivoting. And while all education is valuable in the sense that it contributes to who you are and your mind, it's still also the case that some of the time you're spending time that you needn't have spent if you really were wanting to go in a particular direction. So getting some insight from somebody that is doing what it is that you're wanting to do will be really helpful. And not only determining whether it's something that you'd want, they can also direct you to what types of education might be appropriate as well. So that's one whole area. I think the other one to think about is the whole concept of micro learning. A lot of the time when we say learning, that conjures up a whole image of having to do all these courses and everything is going to take a long time. When in actual fact, you could get some of this education in just bite-sized pieces where you simply just need to know how to do one particular technique, for example, with a software tool. I do this on, all the time. The help that's provided, for example, for an application isn't helpful in actually doing what you need to do. And I use basically the things that I talked about earlier, the Google searches, the chat GPT searches, and I immediately get the very specific answer to the question that I need. That's still learning. You now know how to do that particular activity, but it's only a micro learning. The other one that's kind of related as well is that, and it's something that you might not think of as being learning, but it's actually practicing. And so taking something and using it or approaching it like a hobby project might be something that you've just learned from, let's say, the lynda.com that Paige talked about earlier. You might want to just get some experience doing that. And you can do that on a hobby project. You can also do it, for example, if you're learning to do design. Let's say you've gone through a lynda.com course on design and you First of all, you want to know whether this is something that you're going to really actually like doing. And so you can actually just practice it yourself on a project that may not be something that you're going to be doing for a company. You want to do it just for yourself. You want to create your own website, let's say, and you want to now practice what you learned. 
you'll not only be developing more skill and getting more practice at what you learned, you'll also get a sense of whether you really want to do this or not, right? Because you'll actually be doing it for real. The one that's, I think, one of the most powerful ways to learn is to teach other people. I've often said that in my own experience too, that I teach, as you, I think, all know on a regular basis. And if I know that I'm going to be in front of a class, that I need to teach something, I better well know what it is that I'm talking about. So if it's something that I don't know well, most of the time it is, but if it's something I don't know well, I learn it sufficiently to be able to teach it. And that's often way deeper than the kind of learning that you do if you're just wanting to teach yourself. So teaching it and then actually the process of actually teaching it, the way of forming it in your mind in a way that you're going to teach somebody else how to do something like this is a way of consolidating, I think, your learning in a way that any other methods aren't as effective as. And the last one that I want to share here is this whole notion of volunteering. So again, practicing and also really consolidating any learning by not necessarily doing it, you know, with a really intense expectation in terms of doing it for a job, but just doing it while you're serving as a volunteer. Take somebody that, for example, again, the examples I know best are in design and research. And if you've learned some skills and you've got a friend or a startup that needs to have a, a website built, well, you can just volunteer and do that as well. Do you have any thoughts to add to that, Paige? Yeah, I think the last few ones that it's really applying that knowledge is really important because it's one thing to quote unquote learn it, but not actually use it. And I think when you apply it, that's when you know how much you do or do not know on the subject or what there might be gaps in what you need to know. And it gives you that practicing and repetition is everything, especially when it comes to learning. So really getting hands-on with that knowledge is really important. So I'd encourage you to not only continuously learn, but continuously apply what you've learned to almost fact check it. It's like the test that you're giving yourself that you would have gotten in school. And that test is, can you actually execute on this knowledge? Can you do that hobby project? Can you teach it? Can you go and volunteer your time and be beneficial with that knowledge? And the pursuit of lifelong learning is really an important habit that you should practice throughout your life. Continuing to learn is good for your mind, and that means it's also good for your well-being. As they say, knowledge is power, and that is very, very true, whether that's learning for professional or personal gain. Continuing to acquire knowledge also helps to make the world a better place. We've all heard the term, history is doomed to repeat itself. And collectively, if we have more knowledge, if we know more about current events and historical events and have this education, we're less and less likely to have history to repeat itself 
because it's the idea of learning from one's mistakes. So when we look at that on a global scale, and when we're talking about history repeating itself, if we collectively, as the world's population, learn from those mistakes and act differently, we're hopefully not going to have the same consequences and the same history repeating itself. The one that I would add to that, Paige, that's one of my favorites, is that watch that you're not in an echo chamber and actually seek out learning things about people and places and perspectives that are not your own. And so try to see the other person's point of view and not just in a really superficial way. Actually try to learn more about them and the historical context, to your point, of learning all aspects of a particular issue. And if we all did that, I think the world would be, as you said, a better place. So I think learning is phenomenally important. Learning and taking a broader perspective on the world is also really, really important. And I wanted to, in sort of wrapping up here, also reinforce, Paige, what you said earlier about the whole notion of not just learning on its own. Some of the time that's fine. You just have a different perspective on things. But a lot of the time we have to actually use that learning and practice it to actually make a change, whether that's a change in ourselves or we want to make a change in our role, make a change in the world, all requires you to actually practice and do what you learned. And I want us to use that insight with regard to everything that we've talked about here on this podcast as well. We've made a whole lot of recommendations. Some of them you probably already do, which is cool. Other ones may be new. And we'd like to recommend, as I've done in the past on these episodes, that you choose one, one that you're not doing today, one that you find really kind of interesting to go and explore more, and then do it this coming week. Don't just leave this as learning that stays in your brain. Actually practice some of this as well. So it might be taking a different point of view on a topic and doing a chat GPT search on it. It might be going and taking a course in something that you're thinking of maybe pivoting your career to like as well. So actually get into action mode this week in doing something differently and using some of the advice that we've given here to choose what it is that you're going to be focusing on. So that pretty well sums up our recommendations for this episode. We hope that you find them helpful and we wish you all the best in really learning what you need to learn and want to learn and getting to become a lifelong learner. So Paige, could you please share how they can get in contact with us? Absolutely, Carl. We welcome you to visit www.lifehabitspodcast.com to sign up for our newsletter and we will send you the show notes and links from the previous week's episode, along with an exclusive sneak peek of our upcoming episode. Visit the contact page to get in touch with us through our contact form or simply send us an email to page at lifehabitspodcast.com. You will also find links to our social media pages, and we welcome you to ask questions, share comments, and recommendations for topics and guest ideas for future episodes by contacting us directly through email or on our social media pages. If you love the podcast, 
please give us a rating in the app you're listening to us on. And if you would like to contribute, please check out the support the podcast page. And we also have a buy me a coffee button at the bottom of our site. Contributions from listeners like you allow us to continue to bring you a new episode every week of the series that helps you to learn new habits, to optimize your life, and embrace an enlightened, healthy, and prosperous lifestyle. Please note our website and show notes contain affiliate links, which means we may receive a small commission at no extra cost to you. And with that, Paige and I would like to thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you next time and bye for now.